and welcome to the MetaPod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta and not just the meta of Pokemon. I will say we're going to talk about a bunch of different card games today. Today's topic all about online clients, card game, online clients, economies, exactly all that stuff. PTCGO left us in the dust in 2021, and now we're in 2022. We, we think that this is the year. Hopefully, this is the year, and there are a lot of questions that remain. So we've actually brought, Sean and I have brought, an expert in online clients across card games on the internet. So first, Sean, how are you doing? Because it's been about 24 hours since we last <laughs> recorded. Yeah, we're we're uh, look behind the curtain. We're recording this one a little early, uh, partially because of schedules. And then uh, also this is when Mark was available as well. And uh, with that, uh, those of you who are watching see another another face here, which you don't normally see. Mark, do you want to uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, guys, uh, thanks for having me on the chat. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, PTCG player, uh, for the most part, that's the game I've been focusing on the last three years. Queued for 2018-2019 Worlds, was uh, on the way for trying to queue for 2020-2021-2022 Worlds. Um, maybe 2023 Worlds with the way things are going. But, 2025. Uh, <laughs> you know, personally, personally, like personal record-wise, uh, we have five regional day twos, two international day twos, uh, 2016, sorry, uh, top 16 at NAIC. You know, my biggest thing is, I, you know, if I could do it doing a full-time job, I'll never be like one of the greats like Azul and them that can put a lot more time and effort. But if I could do it, then anyone that was willing to put the time in can, can get good at the game. So very lucky to have friends like Zach in my corner. Uh, Zach Lassage, shout out to him for being able to help me and him actually ran 60 cards for a while. So that's kind of like my, my Pokemon stuff. And also a lot of delving into Magic the Gathering as well. Uh, multiple day twos in that game as well. And with you guys calling me an expert, that... By no means that I'm good at the game. It just means I have enough time to try all the games because I'm trying to get good at one of them. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's like me being atrocious gameplay, you know, like I, I think I know a lot about I just watch a lot of Pokemon and talk a lot about Pokemon, but I'm not like great at the game. I just look at it a lot, you know, like I try I try it out. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and like we were saying, today we are going to be talking about um, online clients and especially online economies because um, I think for me at least, that has been one of the big question marks around PTCG Live in particular. So that's the, emphasis, the impetus of all of this is like PTCG Live might be coming down uh, you know, from the TPCI gods soon. Um, and I know there's a lot of, yeah, and there's a lot of optimism for a lot of reasons. Um, and there's also a lot of, in my thoughts, like I, I think there could be some challenges with this transition too. And from an economic standpoint, a little bit of both. So I wanted to bring other people on like Mark, uh, just chat about, um, the, what, what he thinks the upsides of what the proposed system is looking like and compare that to other online economies for better or worse. So, so actually, before we get into it, let's give a little bit of a baseline for anyone yes. who may not know about like PTC Live and stuff and like what we're talking about, because we're naming PTC Live, all these <laughs> things. But so Pokemon trading card, uh, Pokemon trading card game online client, say that five times fast off camera. It is how we play the game primarily right now, whether that's Players Cup, the online tournaments that we've talked about. That is the system. 
Pokemon trading card game live, which was supposed to come at the release of Fusion Strike, has been delayed. It's the client that we're going to be transitioning to eventually. That's where everything's going to be in terms of online playing primarily. But there's a lot of... I don't want to say controversy, but a lot of talk because it's styling a lot of different things like trading, something that is imperative to getting cards and building decks that you are trying to do. That's not going to be in PTCG Live. PTCG Live is going to be going to be implementing different currencies, more currencies than we have in PTCG O. So that's, again, that's kind of the main topic. That's, again, the difference that I think is the most significant between the two clients. And Sean already saying, you know, a couple things that he's thought of, you know, worries and things like that and points of emphasis as well. So, again, we're going to be talking about those things primarily, you know, with the new client coming up soon. We want to talk about it. So, Sean, Mark, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. Um, So what I'll do, I'm going to give a brief description of ptcgo for the for the viewers and listeners and mark if you want to talk about how magic handles that for their two online clients because there are two out there that actually run at the same time which is kind of wild and then we can maybe even briefly talk about hearthstone as a pure online company so ptcgo online the current client uh basically the economy is based around code cards if you didn't know um and you can get a code card in almost every pack of Pokemon cards that you buy. You scan it in. Yep, Jake, uh, for the YouTube viewers, showing some code cards there. Green codes here, you know, green codes. Yep, and it's one one code almost always is one pack. Sometimes codes represent a theme deck or a special collection or, or whatever, but mostly it's like a code is a pack. And then what you can do is you can either open the packs that you get with the codes yourself, and then you have whatever cards you pull, or what a lot of people do to build the decks they want is you can actually trade um, inside of Pokemon Trading Card Game online. And most of the trades happen from code cards to individual like singles or a set of like a few cards. Um, and the, the rate at which you can trade those varies wildly. Um, things like Rapid Strike Malamar. I know Jake is a big fan of that for the single prize rogue decks. And that goes for half a code card, essentially, which is basically like 25 cents if you when you buy the code cards online. But something like a Mew VMAX is going for 38 code cards, which it, it makes sense. It's a rarer card. Fine. Um, and so it costs more to build that deck if you want to just build that one deck. That's the most cost-effective way to do it. There's other ways that you can get packs and codes through like the ladder and a little bit of grinding. But for most competitive players, I think it's fair to say if you want to build the best deck and you don't have the cards, buying code cards and then trading is the way that the current client works. But Mark, you have experience in other places. Uh, How does that compare to other clients that exist today for other games? Yeah, I I think starting on PDCGO and then talk about the other ones and talking about what PDCGO does well and then moving over to what it could do better and going to the other games. So just based on going off what you said, number one, yeah, it's great. You get a code card in every single pack um, because there, while there are code cards that come uh, in Magic the Gathering packs, you can only use one per set. So yeah, that's kind of a waste there, right? So if you get a code there, it's kind of, you'll you'll only get one pack. So they're making it so people on Arena can't just open tons of packs and try to farm wild cards there because 
they're, they care about people injecting money into their system to be able to run their stuff, which on PTCGO, it's, there's no actual direct way for you to spend your money anymore to be able to get stuff in the in-game client, right? So I think it's much more feasible to be able to use your code cards on PDCGO. And I think with the advent of like battle decks, um, mm. like, you know, people were buying the Italian battle track just to get drizzles, right? You know, and and like every time a new set comes out, I know, you know, you can watch streams of, you know, Michelle Lassage just trying to get all the gold cards and stuff and and being a baller that way. But I think for, for the regular people, sometimes you, you got to wait two weeks and also like, Farming when you got like Solgaleo GX. I don't know if you were around for the Solgaleo GX with the mm. Turbo Strike. Yeah. When when those were coming out or being able to hold those cards, like Trevnit Dust Dustmore, uh, when it comes out for those supplementary packs, like the code card at one point was fifteen dollars, you know, and a Trevnoir was was fifteen bucks. So that economy can be hard for players if you want to be able to play everything. I think for playing rogue decks, it's actually very helpful because if you wanted to play, you know, Mad Party or you know the lost zone stuff like that in the past it was very easy to make those decks and trainers trainers are generally very easy to get in and pokemon trainers make like 50% of the decks right mm. while magic the gathering you know you can get you get reward to get wild cards so if you open more than four of x card you'll get a wild card instead of that card and then you can use it so there's common uncommon and rare and mythic rare rare wild cards and if you want to build a deck you need to use if you don't have it a wild card to craft those cards that you don't have um in magic the biggest difference in the game is lands which are basically like your energies are so fundamentally important and while you have 30 plus trainers in a pokemon deck you have 26, you know, lands in a magic deck and real estate is very important. And spending 14 wild cards, 15 wild cards, 16 wild cards on, on lands, you know, to a newer player, they'd be like, why, why would I do this? Right. Like that's a, that's a feel bad in that game's mm -hmm. economy. Right. Um, but I think with that, with how you spend wild cards, being able to use your decks in, in different formats, of course, there's, you know, um, expanded and standard on, on PDCGO, but it's like, you know, when you want to play expanded before the computer search on the ladder, computer search was a $60, you know, 60 code card, right? Like, and you needed one, you know, dowsing machine, you needed one. These are things that you actually needed to play and could actually deter people. Let's not even talk about tropical beach, you know, because yeah. if it was yeah, that's on a arena, card. if it was on arena, if you wanted to play tropical beach, then you would just have to craft the tropical beach, right? You wouldn't have to go and, and trade and succumb to that. So I think there's there's the real big differences in the economy. And I think that the main focus on how we should look at economies, what type of players are going to be playing these decks? Because I think for, you know, casual players or players on a less of a budget, there's benefits to both systems on how they can do. Um, and I think, you know, a big proponent on, on being able to watch people now play Pokemon trading card game online and, and seeing these online tournaments, you see someone like Cash, Cash Binder, you know, at the start of every format, he's like, I'm not buying this card. I'm not, you know, this card's too expensive. Blah, blah. I'm going to play my Rogue deck or last season's deck. And then a month later, now he's on the new VMAX train, right? Uh, because prices have come down. But 38 code cards, there's only 36 code cards in a box. So if yeah. you really, if you really think of the numbers and that, and the amount that people have to open, and also the scarcity of getting boxes now, it's been even harder to get code cards. So it's it's really the rich get richer there. Yeah, and I, I will say it. An interesting thing about PTCGO, like 
you're right, and that's a huge benefit if you want to play rogue decks that don't require expensive cards, because then you can build it for like five bucks less, maybe, right? Um, but the weird thing is when you have uh, when a new set comes out, the old code cards all, always drop in price because everyone wants to trade for the newest code card packs. And so that's how the economy, it's like, if you get too many of the old code cards, you have to trade them in for the new ones and you kind of lose money that way. So yeah. that's one, I think, difference. Whereas to your point about wild cards, which is kind of the way that you craft the cards in Magic, um, a wild card doesn't care what set it's in. If you have a wild card, you can craft it for this set, for the next set, whatever. Um, which I do think is a huge benefit is that, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter when you get the extras or what sets you get the extras from. It almost encourages you to open up whatever set uh, of packs uh, you feel interested in. It doesn't discourage you opening up older packs, which I think is a nice thing. I think, too, that the specialists, so obviously you have rogue specialists and, and, and Pokemon and specialists that get on to, like, the Urshifu deck that play the one mm. deck for the season. But in Magic, because Standard does rotate faster, you get specialists on specific types of decks. So, you know, red is a very aggressive color in Magic. It, you know, Magic has the way the game's designed is all the colors, whether they're on their own or they work in tandem, they all have specific parts that they kind of, you know, move in and out of. Almost like how... Um, you know, bigger Pokemon, they have, you know, uh, worse um, retreat. Mm -hmm. Like, on a Snorlax, the retreat cost will always be like that. Like, that, I think that's mm -hmm. something that's very similar in that game. But you have people that will always just craft or get what new cards are in the red color that are going to mm -hmm. make their deck better. And that's how they kind of stay within their budget or whatnot. Because, like, if I'm going to build a deck, like with these three economies, if I'm going to build a deck on PDCGO and I want to play the best deck, well, I'm going to go figure out how many code cards I need and then I'm going to buy that many code cards and then I'm going to go build that deck. And and the amount of time that's going to take and entering the code cards and then putting them in front of the screen and stuff, like that's that's a certain amount, right? If I want to play the best deck on, on Magic the Gathering Arena, I'm going to go figure out what the best deck is, figure out I can export a deck, just like in Pokemon, export it into the client, they'll tell me how many wild cards I need and then I know, hmm, do I, I if I spend a hundred dollars, will, will I get this many? Um, and I'm, I'm very lucky to be in a point in my life that I can, you know, if I want to, yeah. you know, uh, be a spike and just, you know, play the best deck that I, that I can do that. And the same thing with Hearthstone. You know, with Hearthstone, you can go see what the best decks are, and then figure out how much you have to dust to, to craft those. You know, mm -hmm. because that's something in, in the game. In Arena, you cannot dust. In uh, the Pokemon Trading Card Game Online, you cannot dust. Um, and if it's on Magic the Gathering Online, which is, again, another separate client for Magic, I can subscribe to a rental service where I can rent X amount of how much the card is worth because um, they all have a value on Magic Online, like anything from pennies to being $100, uh, depending on scarcity. But instead, I can go to a subscription-based service and rent those cards, but just have to return those cards, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of catering to the type of game players, especially with us being card players and, you know, I was talking about cold cards when it's come. I mean, they could put a hundred dollar bill in a pack for us to open, you know, like, especially with like the hyper V max and stuff. And we'd still have players complaining about the, how the hundred dollar bill was folded in the pack. <laughs> so that's, that's really how we are being like card players for anything like this. Yeah. Um, so, so we've talked a little bit about like the current systems and the point I think of this one is to also understand like, you know, what PTCG Live has proposed. Jake, do you want to sort of quickly run down uh, 
you know, as briefly as you can, the basic economy of PTCG Live. So in PTCG Live, they're proposing three different currencies from what we saw in trailers and stuff. Now, who knows if this will change with updates? We have no idea, you know, because it's delayed and being changed. But as of this point, they're doing three different currencies. Coins, which we are accustomed to from PTCG. Oh, you know, quests, level ups, ranks, all that stuff you can do it for apparel you know your emo person and deck boxes sleeves etc etc there are crystals which crystals are built through the battle pass so we learned that there is going to be a subscription basically that you can do in ptcg live and it's going to be a battle pass so if you played something like apex or fortnite you know, you can buy this battle pass per se. And then based on how well you're doing in the games, how many you play, how often you play, you can eventually collect rewards based on how well you're doing and how many points you collect in the battle pass. You can exchange these crystals for booster packs, bundles, convert it into coins if you want. You can even exchange crystals for the premium pass, which is different than the battle pass. So uh, already a couple different tiers of the battle pass. And then finally credits. So when you've already received several copies, like a play set of, let's say, uh, Inkes from Chilling Rain, because I'm all about the Malamars right now, you know, you get your fifth copy of Inke. It's going to turn into a credit of some sort now based on the rarity you know it'll give you different credits not necessarily like a i don't think it'll be a difference in the amount of credits between like mu v versus dodrio v i think it's going to be specifically what the rarity of the card is not necessarily what card it exactly is if that makes sense and then with the credits you can earn them as well from battle pass tiers daily quests exchanging crystals for some stuff in the shop and a whole bunch more and credits can be exchanged for any card in the deck editor as well so there's a lot of different things reminders as well that a spec cards you know we talked about computer uh search and dowsing machine and stuff you can only have one of those prism stars are the exact same way or one copy of each uh, v union card and then 59 copies of each basic energy so those are the different currencies that in ptcg live we know about before you know they kind of i don't want to say went dark i don't feel like that's the right phrase but they kind of like step back and they're like all right we're delaying again we don't know if anything's going to change but at this point that's what we know Yep. And the one other thing we don't know, we don't know the ratios. Like we don't know how many credits you need for each rarity level to like exchange it for a card. Like, you know, you know what Mark was saying, the wild cards are a wild card is based on the rarity of what you got the wild card from. And so like, if you have a mythic wild card, you can get a mythic card for it. Whereas this is, I think a little bit pulling from Hearthstone in the like dusting mechanic is like, while you can't manually dust things you don't want, it will just automatically create these credits. And then however many credits you have, you can exchange it for whatever rarities you want. It's just basically a subtraction game, right? If it's a thousand credits for a VMAX, 500 for a V, 250, you know, we'll, we'll see what the actual ratio is like X to X. But um, that I think for me is like, one of the biggest up in the air question marks of deciding whether or not the system will be more or less expensive perhaps. Uh, but 
but Mark, what, um, knowing the system, I did briefly talk about Hearthstone, but where do you think PTCG Live is really pulling from for what they have proposed? Like, how does it compare? Yeah, it, the biggest thing too with Hearthstone, and as we said, like as a, as a grinder, want to be able to build a top deck. Like I know off the top of my head that a legendary in Hearthstone, you only have one legendary per deck and they have legendaries in the class. A legendary costs 3,200 dust. You know, like that's how much it costs to craft the legendary. Now, if you were going to dust a legendary to get to get the dust for you to build other decks, it costs, you get 1,600 dust. So you get 50% of the card's value. So if you wanted to craft the legendary you didn't own, and you can only have one copy once you dust that legendary, like you'll have to redust or open it again, right? Mm. So dusting, you'd have to dust two legendaries to craft the one legendary that you wanted. Same thing with like their their mythic, it's it's 800 uh, to craft and it's 400 that you would get dust and then so forth and so on. So you can actually really look at it, look at a deck and because they have so many classes, they have 10 different classes in Hearthstone, you can dust cards from a specific class that you never play and then use those to build the decks that you do want. And, and when new sets come in, like I think the biggest benefits of them having Hearthstone is when a new set comes out, they have like, and same with arena, they have pre-release bundles. So you could actually pay less than you normally would to get like a special legendary or a special card. Like in arena, you can't, dust but you're like oh there's this planeswalker that people are going to play they're giving everyone two copies if they spend this on the pre-release you're like i don't ever have to craft that card because i'll have it right in hearthstone they'll be like hey you get three free legendaries with the pre-release so in your head you're like well that's 4800 dust you know um and then you get like additional packs when you when you open packs and stuff and i think I think opening packs on Hearthstone is probably the, the most exciting out of all the games. So whenever yeah. they always have the voice that's like epic rare, like golden legendary, <laughs> and uh, none, of, none of the other games do that. So it just makes you excited to open packs. Um, I think that's something they, they do really well, not knowing what PTCG Live is going to do. And I think it's actually very good that, you know, if they did go dark, like I think they really want to make sure, because no matter what, when that game comes out, People are going to be very excited, but people are going to complain. So I think mm. the more time they have to make less complaints is probably better for all of us. But I think, you know, for the quintessential player, like we want to know how much it's going to take or how much time it is for us to build a deck. I wish we could just buy, like if we could just buy crystals, like if that was like mm. actually a thing that I could put X amount of money to buy crystals to build my deck to jump into any tournament. Uh, I think that that would be great. And and with us talking about dust and and stuff with the with credits specifically here, would you say like an A spec or whatnot? Like I want to know like if I have a gold quick ball, does that count towards the four? Because I'm assuming mm. compared to like Magic the Gathering that um, if it's reprinted in another set, that it's not going to count towards your four because it's going to go for the set. Because that happened with some of the rare lands in in uh magic they printed them in back-to-back sets in years so people were complaining that well this isn't going towards you know me getting wild cards because i already have the card because if you if you already have the card you'll get gems which you can use gems to buy packs or enter tournaments but if you opened four of them in magic 2020 and then the same card was reprinted in magic 2021 you that still that doesn't count towards you just have eight of them now the card. you're like you just have what am i supposed to do with these <laughs> you know, so that's that's like that's a big complaint from the players on there that I could see people complaining about on on PTC July. Like I don't need twelve bosses orders, but I mean we had twelve bosses orders in in, uh, <laughs> in the PTCGO, format. Yeah, you know, and, and and no one said anything. So I think 
for players and trying to figure out how much they need to build it back. Like even talk about Mew VMAX, like how much work is it going to take? Because right now you have a defined number of 38 packs, right? You know that when card sets change, when, when booster packs change, it's three booster packs for the new one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all the, all the PTCGO bots that, you know, they're making all the money in, in the back end and having all that stuff. Right. And then what are streamers going to do now with no giveaways, you know, Hey, like play in my tournament, get you know. That's yeah. I mean, that's a huge. That's a huge thing in the meta, right? Or I, it's not so much in the. Well, it's really the small person meta, right? Like Azul or Tricky Jim or Celius Network. They don't need to do giveaways all the time to get their viewers. But you talk about the smaller people, you know. Like I know for when I was streaming PTCGO every day. You know, there were tons of people that would just come in and be like, hey, is there a giveaway going on or would do exclamation point giveaway? And I'm like, get the heck out of here, dude. Now, I will say you can still give away the code cards. Like if you have. Yes, there could be a method where this is just a, a note to PTCGO store, P, Potown, all that, all that good stuff. Um, you should make a, an easy gifting feature. Um, of people sending a link that has a packet of code cards because I think that's actually going to be a really big deal for both if you're a tournament organizer too. This is a little off the rail, but tournament organizers do packs as prizing and now you can't trade. So like, and it's a, you know, to Mark's point, it's kind of a pain in the butt sometimes to like copy and paste things or, or whatever. So, you know, easy, easy gift bundling of a number of code cards might be you know, might be useful. I think that the battle deck codes are going to be even more, yeah. right? Because it's just easy to get. Like, that, the Urshifu battle decks, like, they've hit even the Picaron battle deck, the Reshiram battle deck. Like, thank God they never made a Mewtwo battle deck because that would have <laughs> just tanked, you know, like, yeah. would have tanked the economy on that card. But it's, it's they're, they're getting smarter and they're getting better on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy. Like, why would I want, like, if I know that the the riders are going to be in a, in a promo, why would I want to go online and do that? So it makes me really question what they're going to move to. I think that hopefully, you know, the client's a lot, you know, better and, and smoother when it comes. But economy is just so important for people that play it every single day because, yeah. you know, we already have so many people that complain in real life that they never have the chance to compete because they can't afford the cards, right? Or yeah. they don't have people to lend them the card. And with the explosion um, during these unprecedented times, you know, and people playing so much online, we've really got to see players that we would never know about, you know? Like, how great of a region is Brazil? How great of a region is Japan? Like, you know, Malaysia? Like, we never know because this is not something that we see mainstream. So what's going to happen when, you know, these guys play these tournaments so that they can get code cards to play in more tournaments, right? And we used to have to end, remember before the free tournaments, oh, we would have to send three packs to enter a tournament. Like, when the Sunday Open started... So what are you going to do? Do you just send them the code? And then how do they verify the code yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Are they going to have, like every tournament might have to be online tournament will have to be free entry or maybe like paid. I don't know. But I mean, one thing I will say, what I want to get into like what the upsides of this potential um, economic shift is. Um, now, one thing that I, I remember people who played maybe two years ago uh, or maybe even a year ago, I think you'll remember how expensive something like Jirachi was. Or if you think about now, how expensive something like an uncommon drizzle is, the, you know, the shady dealing drizzle. Um, you know, those, those cards for their rarity are wildly overpriced. Like Jirachi at one point was like, what, 20 packs or more? It was silly. 
and Dedene at the time at one point was the same way. And until they put it in the toolkit, which is another product, right. you know, we're talking about TPCI being smarter. You know, the toolkits are awesome. Crobats, Dedene's. Anyways, I digress. Keep yeah. going. Uh, but I mean, I think this definitely solves some of that problem because you have now a fixed price of like, hey, if it's in the uncommon slot, it will cost whatever an uncommon cost is in terms of credit. So these Drizz Isles, man, I think once PTCG Live comes out, I think the Intellion engine becomes super affordable. Online. It comes out before rotation. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a, you make a good point, Jake. <laughs> but so, I mean, for me, that's one upside. Um, Mark, Jake, I'll let you jump in with any other positives uh, of this change you see coming. I think that so I think a lot of times when we talk, especially on this podcast, we need to think about the player base. And when we think about the player base, you know, we talk about Azul, we talk about Andrew Mahone, you know, we talk about us, you know, we think about the card game every day. But what is actually the majority of the player base? The majority of the player base is people who don't listen to podcasts, the people who don't watch the streams on Twitch, the people that get around and maybe just play like the theme deck ladder you know, or the, the trainer challenge ladder. And so I think we have to think about a lot of these things and a lot of these decisions in that mindset. And that's why I think that PTCG live and the dusting system and taking away trading is going to be so, so good because it's going to be so great for the casual player to be able to move into a competitive player, right? Because they want in the Pokemon trading card game online client, you know, whether whether it's going to be online or live or whichever client it's going to be, they want to transition people from, you know, just playing online to the IRL environment or playing competitively. You know, that's why you see on the code cards or like when you buy a pack, you know, like you buy a pack at the Target or Walmart or something, you open it, you don't see anything about like playing competitively at the next regional, right? There's nothing in that in there, but there is stuff about playing online. You step people in there, and if you give them a much better experience than what PTCGO gives, you have so many more people converting into actual players, right? Because then online, you know, assuming that they use the like home screen thing, you know, that that weird like rotating home screen that they change up every like eight months or so, you know, when a new set comes out or something like that, you know, you can put on there like regional coming up or ICs or, you know, what news came out about this thing. I, I hope there's like a news tab over there, like Pokemon Masters has a news tab, gotcha mobile game. Uh, Pokemon doesn't, even though I don't look at it a lot, right? I mean, if I want to, to get more information, like that's an excellent place. Like the more information tab on PTCGO right now just sucks. So that's, that's my ramble jamble and why I like the upside of PTCG live. I think that's really good. And I think to, to your point and going to other games, like one of the games, I know it's not a card game, but I've been playing a lot of Valorant, you know, huge love, hate relationship on it. But one thing they did really well that made them very, you know, most watched on Twitch during their their worlds is that every time they have an international or they have a huge land event that they want people to tune into, they have it on the on the opening screen, right? And yeah. and Magic, sorry, Magic Online and, and Magic Arena, they they don't do it as well, but they do have it on there that they tell you where where their tournaments are because the way that Magic Online works is when you enter a tournament, right? Um, 
you have to pay X amount of, of dollars or tickets. So you buy tickets, tickets, one ticket is equal to one US dollar, right? And they have different events. So like your general league, um, you would pay 10 tickets. Um, and then if you go 5-0 in the league, okay, that's that's the most, it's five matches. If you go 5-0, you get um, 11 treasure chests and the treasure chests you can sell for two tickets each. So that's $22. And then you that's get 100 yeah, you get a hundred, or you can open cards in them that you can sell for more. So if you don't want to take the gamble to open them, you 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 sell them, or if you open it, but you get play points. So if you go five zero, you get hundred and fifty play points. So instead of using um, tickets to enter an event, you can use a hundred play points instead of ten tickets. So you could actually, if you're good enough, go infinite, and then it scales down. So if you go four one, you get five chests, so you get ten dollars you get a hundred play points so you can play in the event again. And then you get points towards bigger tournaments. So you get qualifier points to play in bigger tournaments that offer more, more stuff. And then if you go, if you go two, three, which is the only one, you'll get 50, you know, you'll get like 50. So there's, there's different points there that incentivize people to play and be a little bit more competitive and, and try stuff. And if your road deck goes five Oh, and this is one of the big things to poke on, like if you five Oh, and you have a road deck or your deck is thing, every uh, every three days they publish the 5-0 lists. So like you imagine seeing Atrocious Jake, you know, 5-0'd with Rapid Strike Malamar and had, you know, a Wally in the deck. I don't know, random supporter, <laughs> but like it incentivizes people. And then they have, you know, they have challenges on the weekend that are $30 to enter 300 play points for all the different formats. You know, if you top 32, your your list gets posted online, but if you if you come first place, you get two hundred treasure chests. So two hundred treasure chests, it's four hundred dollars right there, right? So it incentivizes people to grind and, and and do the games more compared to you think about it like a late 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 night tournament. What is what does first place get right for the amount of time that you kind of put in? And then what Arena does is if you finish in the top twelve hundred uh, of any given month you're invited to a two-day tournament on Arena, and this is where Magic Online, they also give you tournament invites to the Arena tournament because that's the showcase. So as you said, Wizards wants the showcase on Arena because it's very similar to Hearthstone. So if you're in the top 1,200, you get to go to a two-day tournament. And then they have like the, the two-day tournament that they have every three months, like first place is like 10 grand US dollars, right? So it incentivizes people to kind of grind because right now when we grind a ladder in, in the Pokemon trading card game online, there's not the biggest thing is thank God they put the players championship, right? So mm. that gave people the the incentive and stuff. So that's kind of hopefully like with them doing the players championship and them putting so much time into to PTCG live, hopefully that helps the economy because people love playing the games. I mean, as you were saying, when you stream PTCGO you know, every single day, it's funny, great playing with your viewers and all. It's funny, great doing, you know, but you're not really adding stuff to your grinding. Sure, you're getting better at the game, but there's no there's no end all. And that's why the Players' Cup grind streams, those those did very well for a lot of people because people wanted to see if their person got in or not. Hmm. So I guess uh, what the hope is there is that with PTCG Live, there will be a better grinding system like a better better payout for grinding like i don't think they'll give us things that you could ever sell just given the no. nature of the pokemon company probably yeah of but course. but like you know um i guess the hope would be like more of a, a built out tournament structure i assume in the client 
Imagine this. This just popped into my head because your live and your PDCJO account are connected to your to your uh, TPCI number, right? Yeah. Just imagine. I, I don't think they ever do. But just imagine this: that if you hit X amount of points from grinding, you get a round one buy at a regional. Yeah, I mean that's nice. Like sort of tying that back in. Like, hey, people who play online are just. It, it's a nice validation by the Pokemon company that says online play is real play too. You know, because there's that broader debate that has happened the whole time during the pandemic like oh are online players real like really competitive or really good or whatever and that would be a nice nod from the pokemon company that says no like everybody what however you play we're going to recognize that and that would be nice and it is real you know i think a lot of people were it is real because if you look at the players cup every single person that won a players cup was a pro you know and as someone that i played a lot during the the first the first part of the pandemic, the first log from, from March to like that September, um, the first part of the pandemic. And it did, it did feel sure. You got a lot more feel bad, feel bad hands. You had a lot more best of one losses that you, you were very upset with. And there were certain timing out. I hate timing out. That's mm. probably one of like the worst because you know, so yeah, your internet cuts out. What do you like during a IRL regional? Like your if your internet cuts out, you're like, okay, I'm not looking at my phone anyways, but like online, you're just so, it's out of my control yeah it's 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 tough on that but showing the longevity and stuff and and with it too with specifically like the economy stuff um i'm hoping that the the code cards and the packs like there's got to be a better way now for us to be able to get those to get the decks that we want there's got to be it's not like the, the at the onset of a Paying a dollar fifty or seventy five cents USD at the start of a format to get this many code cards to try to get what you want, like that's not feasible for, as you said, the regular everyday person. So here's actually what I think will happen to the economy, which, like you said, when a new set comes out, because in the current system everybody only trades new set codes for whatever card, so it basically puts an inflated premium on the new set, which is fine. That makes sense in this economy, but. With PTCG Live, because it will be a dusting mechanic and you can't trade the cards, I think we'll actually see a stabilization and a we'll see the most expensive code cards, like the newest sets, come down to probably like maybe 50 cents, maybe a slight premium because they might have the exact cards in it that you are trying to pull anyways. But I think codes that are from specialty sets will actually shoot way up because think about Champion's Path, for instance. If you're dusting based on rarity or getting credits based on rarity, do you know how many freaking uh, Giovanni's Exile Full Arts or, you know, Zapdos and Moltres that I pulled in, so, you know, in some Hidden Fates and other sets like that? Because the set is so small and it's like, well, if I don't, if I don't need that many and if my pull rate is going to be much higher, you may actually see some of those sets bump up in price. And my gut, my gut tells me that all of the sets will normalize to a relatively similar price point with the high, with the newest set being just a little higher. But I think that will be good for players who are like, well, if I'm going to spend 50 cents, I'll buy the newest one because I could maybe pull what I'm looking for. But like, if I really just need those, you know, credits, maybe I'll go buy a set that I already have four of every copy in. And that way, everything I pull is credits. So this is a really good... Um thing as well as people are prepping for Pokemon trading card game live there was a huge buyout of like code cards because we got I think it's I don't 
quote me exactly, but I think it was like 125 unopened things is the max to like yep. get a bunch of credits automatically dusted onto your account. <laughs> and so a lot of people like bought out the Meowth box, the Meowth VMAX. You remember that card? <laughs> you remember that box? People like bought out those codes because they were so dirt cheap. And now they're just like sitting on, or maybe it wasn't Meowth VMAX boxes, but it's like some sort of, or like pre-release kit boxes or like so whatever, like people are buying out these codes and they're like also trying to get like all of these chests, the Pikachu like avatar boxes, you know, and that's like an interesting concept too, as well in terms of dusting, like there's a cheap crap set that is just awful and you're never, ever going to open. Well, you just like buy a whole bunch of them and there you go. You can dust it and you can build your Mew VMAX that way. Yeah. If you think of it too, like specifically on your point, like Evolving Skies, Chilling Rain, like those were over 200 card sets. Champion's Path, the base had 64 cards. Yeah. You know, like Sean, you're a genius on that part because it's <laughs> like, well, I already, it's what's easier to collect, the 229 card set or a 64 <laughs> card set, right? So that mm-hmm. that you can, you can go on in there and stuff. So I I think there's going to be a clamoring for that. I think the code cards are obviously going to have to change. Tournaments will change once this comes out. Mm. But the... Being able to build decks, like for me, I know that on Arena, when a new standard set comes out, for you to start being able to get gems, like for you to be able to complete a set, it's generally around uh, 300 US dollars. If you spend 300 US dollars on, on packs and you open all the packs, not and, and the same thing too is like, you'll open wild cards in a pack on Arena, but you'll also, as you open, you start building towards more wild cards. Mm-hmm. So say you open six packs, you'll get a, a rare wild card after like say six or six or x amount of packs so like help so i think maybe if they had a system like that in ptcg live that if it you know if mu v max is x amount like maybe after you open like 20 packs because the game doesn't know where you're getting your packs from right they just yeah. assume you open a pack at a code card but if it incentivizes you that after you open say 24 code cards you get a v max wild card or like you can redeem yeah. one for that I think that's also like that's something magic does very well because you can kind of factor in after how many packs you open you'll get an additional thing because you're spending you're spending money on that and they assume that you're spending money on packs in in, in real life like evolution like evolution code cards how much do you think those are how much of that was open during the i'm gonna rip pokemon card boom right so like there's gotta be especially champions path now that you've said it like you those 10 cents for those code cards probably yeah i mean i i that's i don't know if they'll stay 10 cents because to the point i'm, I'm kind of giving away a strategy now uh, but you know assuming that the code cards work in ptcg live it might be like buy up a bunch of them now don't put them in your account and then once ptcg live comes out if you've got a full set you can just get some cheap credits that way little little strategy there some stonks so here's a question so expanded here's just a quite i mean this is a hypothetical because we don't know but expand so let's say i come across a bunch of cosmic eclipse packs at my locals and i buy a bunch of cosmic eclipse packs ptcg live is out ptcg live does not have expanded they said at the beginning that to start they are not going to support expanded could i redeem cosmic eclipse code cards on live and open because if they're not supporting it the cards are not in 
I think it would have to be before Lost Thunder, I think, is where they said they were going to cut oh, do the cutoff. Well, then but yeah, let's go whatever card before Storm, that. Then. But yeah, sure. just any time before like yeah. that, like if I come across Sun and Moon base set from a garbage box, you know, because mm. because uh, those old right. Crimson Invasion, yeah. Steam Siege, you know, Steam can Siege. I open those up? That's like, the one. Or, or, or are they just like stuck? Are they just there with me now? And I, I have nothing to do with them. I would think that you would be able to, because I think if they're taking some of the framework for the cards that are in, because I thought that it was everything, like Legacy wasn't going to be supported. I thought that even though they're not supporting Expanded, like this is just hy- like hypothetical, mm. but in just looking at computer softwares and, and, and going to stuff, I don't know if you guys ever played Banjo-Kazooie and they had the, the stop and swap that never worked in that game. But if you think about it, they have the framework for you to move your cards over. That's something they said, that if you have X amount of this yeah. card, you'll be able to move it forward, right? So if your whole collection predates back and expanded mm-hmm. it, unless unless they know something we don't, and they're going to rotate expanded from black and white on and X and Y on to be sun and moon on, I don't see how there's no world that those cards aren't going to go in because they're templated differently than the hard gold. It's the modern yeah. era border for the cards, right? I think you're mm-hmm. right because they did mention A specs and those are obviously very old. My gut tells me that they'll be in your collection, but they won't be playable. If that makes sense, like they'll just kind of be there. If you try like, to, there won't be a format, but there right. won't be a format for it. Like if you try to build a deck with it, it'll maybe be grayed out and be like, "Hey, we can't build yeah. with these cards yet," type thing. Yeah. Or it'll just have like the band symbol or whatever, right. you know, if you right. put a deck in there. Okay, yeah, this is a weird worry, Jake's anxiety. <laughs> I sold all my expanded cards during the <sighs> during the pandemic because I was worried that I'm like, with them not supporting it, with us coming back right away here that it didn't mean like holding that much. And by the time Expanded does come back, everything's going to be changed. Like even Mew VMAX, like I, I had an opportunity to buy it in person. It was like 55 Canadian per Mew VMAX. So that's like 46, 47 USD for Mew VMAX. And I was ready. I was ready. And then I was like, but it might not be good by the time Marsh rolls around. Right. You like know, brilliant so, stars. I mean, the V stars coming in. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Look at tag teams, man. Uh, yeah, tag yeah, teams. tag teams. Unless it was Picarom or Mewtwo, that was basically it. Hey, uh, didn't Azul won an expanded event like regional with the Magikarp Waylord? Did like that six prize turn? Remember that? Mm-hmm. That was that was, and that card was also expensive on PTCGO, right? Like all the cards that came from boxes, and also people that want what's going to happen. Like I want to know what's going to happen with the with the MTG. Sorry, the Pokemon Pimp cards. You know, like that your deck looks so much the bling, the mm. bling. Like, what mm-hmm. is it going to be? Like, is it going to be more to craft a hyper rare? Mm. Is it going to be more to craft an alternate art? And when you have the alternate art, that doesn't count toward, towards your number, right? Because yeah. remember in PTCGO right now, you can click which art of switch that you want, yeah. right? So I kind of want to know how that's going to be when, you, when you're mm. opening packs and, and what's the feel that's going to be. Because if it's going to cost people more will we see less of those all gold decks i wonder if they will put alternate arts and golds and v maxes maybe they'll put all of those at the same rarity as like because i can't imagine there's like maybe they'll well no but v maxes sometimes have alternate art i don't know that's wild i actually there might be like several tiers of rarity or it may be that you're not allowed to craft alternate arts that might and be. then also think about character rares you know back yeah. in uh cosmic eclipse we had those character rares and then we already know that those are coming back because of uh vmax climb vmax climax 
Yeah. What a dame. Well, I, so I, I'll, I'll be interested to see like what the ratio is. I mean, I guess that comes down to like, you know, the, what I'm calling like the pitfalls of this. So I think we've talked a, a lot about like the potential upsides, um, code card prices may be coming down for certain sets. Um, but in terms of my, my worries, I'm going to say my worries real quick, and then <laughs> please tell me how wrong I am or what you think is uh, additional worries. But, um, my first worry is unknown, which is the conversion rate. You know, Hearthstone has what you've said is like a two to one dusting to conversion yeah. rate, which like seems pretty good. Um, I'll be interested to see if they keep it because I think one-to-one is ridiculous. I don't actually think one-to-one makes sense, but mm-hmm. we'll see how expensive this is relative. Um, but the other one is there's an interesting video about MTG Arena I watched that talked about how because the cost of crafting wild cards when new sets come out can be expensive, um, that you it, it incentivizes people who are on limited budgets but want to play the best deck so like the mu v maxes of the world let's say it incentivizes those people to only to use all of their credits just to build those decks and so it makes it very unlikely people are going to build the meme decks so like if a deck takes three v maxes four v's and then all of the other stuff around it and then there's a meme deck that takes the same number of v maxes and v's it almost feels punishing to use your credits if you've got a limited supply on the meme instead of the, the BDIF. And so what he was saying is it does have an effect on the meta game where you see a little bit too much of the tier one and not enough fun stuff. But I want to hear y'all's thoughts. I think that's a valid point. And I think that's a valid thing to bring up because I think it would actually change the metagame because you're right. Like, I mean, if I'm playing to win, right, ranked ladder, I want to be as high rank as possible. So obviously on the ranked ladder, if it costs the same amount of stuff to build um, new VMAX in comparison to Rayquaza VMAX. Shadow Rider or Rayquaza VMAX, right? Nobody's going to play Rayquaza. Nobody's going to play Shadow Rider. It's just going to be all Mew. But I think as well, like we already have that system. Like I think if you go on Pokemon Ladder with your Elo, right? Because the based on matchups is it looks at your deck, looks like at how much you're winning, things like that, and then pairs you up. If you're at the top, you know, and you're Azul or Andrew Mahone, you know, you're facing the same decks all the time. You're facing the same people all the time as well. So. I, I don't think it'll change too much. It, it obviously will a little bit as uh, like, I, like we were saying, you know, because I think that worry is valid, but I don't think it's going to be too much to where like, it'll be a problem, right? Like, I don't think it'll be to the point of like ADP, you know, in sword and shield base set where it was literally the only thing that anybody ever played in the, the worst format I've ever played in. But um, yeah. In, in other games, I can kind of give you kind of the scope in other games when those constraints come in. So specifically in Arena, um, when they do have major tournaments, yeah, you do see, you know, a huge percentage of the metagame is is the best deck. Like when they do have like the, the pro tours and the pro tournaments they and they do the deck breakdown, like the best deck is generally like 15% of the room, mm. you know? And and the other, the other will be like 8%, right? Um, on ladder, on the lower level of the ladder, sure, you might find some of those, you know, budget rogue decks or whatnot. 
but it's very random. And if a rogue deck is good, it becomes one of the best decks, right? Because then everyone's going to play that specifically on Arena. And I assume that it's the same thing in Hearthstone. Um, with Hearthstone, with the classes being very specific um, and the way that they built cards for that and being able to craft cards in, in those specific classes. And Hearthstone is made so that their standard format is the base set. So most people that have been playing Hearthstones for years should have most of the cards in the base set and the base set never rotates. They just errata cards or whatnot. And then whatever the last two years are. Mm -hmm. So if you're only playing your specific class or whatnot, um, sure, sometimes you can run into a rogue deck that someone's built because they know their class very well. Um, it's it's not often there, but it does happen. And then with Magic the Gathering Online being really big for tournaments, one of the constraints you see because decks have a real monetary value um, on Magic the Gathering Online and because people do the subscription services. So some subscription services will max out that you can only rent up to $450 worth of cards and some are a thousand or whatnot. So there's a deck called Four Color Money Pile because the deck is in real life, it's worth like two grand online. It's worth like 1400. And very few people will actually be able to make that deck online because the subscription service won't let them rent it. Um, so you'll see like some of the best decks online are those decks that are in that $400 range that the minimum level subscription that's $25 US a month, that people are renting that deck because they know that that's the best deck they can get with their budget online. So you'll see more of those littered around. So that kind of budgeting is a whole different factor that you'll see a lot more of those decks online. But when you go to a live tournament to play, you won't see more of those decks because people don't have that constraint. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like it would just make the online meta versus the the IRL meta just completely um, different. Yeah, and in, in real life, too, you'd, you'd see you playing Malamar because it'll be easier for you to get the cards for Malamar at a moment's Yeah, it's notice. like less than $10 for me to build this Malamar deck. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Then it is for you to get that Mew deck, but if the dusting ratios are the same on PTCG Live, then everyone's at an equal footing, but... If you have to spend your, say, rare dust on, you know, Rapid Strike Malamar versus something like, let's say, Latios, Latias, Latios, the yeah, one in the, the, good one. the Fusion Strike deck, <laughs> yeah. the, mm -hmm. you're going to spend it on that. Like, you're going to see a lot less people spend stuff on, as you said, the meme deck. Why would I, I spend something? Well, I mean, people that knew Duraldon was going to be good, like your yeah. Savant, LDF like, is still I, I never saw the that. wildest decks, you know, for his YouTube videos. <laughs> so... It's it's just it's but how much more packs are they gonna have to get to be able to build those decks, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's like yeah, I guess that was my concern. But your point about like how currently the metagame at a high level, it's not that different from Arena. Like it's like 15, 20% Mu VMX at a, on any given tournament, right? Which is about the same as Arena. So at the highest competitive levels, it's not really gonna change probably what people are playing. But maybe from like a more casual perspective of like maybe and also a player who like you know i think we all experience it sometimes you just get bored you don't want to play the same deck i people who played adp when it first came out were like two months in this deck is it's it's boss boss game i'm i, I kind of don't want to keep playing that for too long and so it actually becomes expensive to be a creative player and i think that not that it isn't already a little bit because you you spend money to buy the packs but at least like a bad deck is cheap. Whereas on this one, the bad deck may cost the exact same as Mew Vmax. Mm -hmm. Personally, as a, as a, as a player that, you know, wants to, to try new things and stuff, like as a competitive player, I never like, other than when uh, Mew 3 was mm -hmm. the best deck and the mirror match was a coin flip, I actually hate playing decks 
for the mirror Mm. because I think that when you do play a mirror, unless it's like the best players in the world, there's just so much variance in it and and putting yourself in those tournaments. And I assume right now with new, new VMAX that the mirrors are atrocious, like atrocious as much as Jake. Um, But when I like, I love Zoark, like Zoark, give me like Zoark mirror matches all day long with like the different variants and stuff. Like when we had a format that the decks were the three Zoark variants, the Buzzwole, and Malamar, and those were literally all the decks. Like, those are the formats that I think are strive. And if you think about that too, like, if those are the formats that strive, then you only need three or four decks on your account, right? Mm. Um, but when you have, like, these wild decks and people are like, oh, I'm going to build a deck that builds Mew VMAX, but then folds to everything else, yeah. you know, like, where where are you stuck? And, and, and then you're like, man, like, I think the field badge is for those competitive players. Like, just putting myself in their shoes and then them going... Okay, I need to buy, and that's just the the VMAX is how much are the new V's like when they're like 30, 38 times four. Like I'm gonna go put you know a hundred and and forty code cards. I think like a month stack. and a half ago. I think like a month and a half ago, somebody calculated it was like two hundred and eleven packs to build the Mew VMAX deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at minimum rarity. And imagine being like, Mom, I need two hundred and eleven code cards. <laughs> you know, like like we're thinking about ourselves right now, but. You know, and think about mom, I need 211 code cards and we need to pay in euros. Mm. You know? Yeah. Just terrible. Well, uh, I mean, that's all I had. Did anybody else have any other thoughts on like the PTCG live economy, like what might be coming? One worry that I have, because we're talking about like costs and stuff. My worry is the rate at which you get currency. So we've talked about like dusting, you know, we've talked about, you know, crafting and things like that. But the biggest thing that I worry about is the battle pass Hmm. and the premium battle pass. I am worried that potentially getting currency is going to be too heavily influenced by these battle passes. Look, we know that you can get quests and you can get currency and things like that. Unlocking levels, season rank, all that stuff. But what if those are minuscule compared to buying and completing these battle pass rewards? You know, like I I'm okay with giving Pokemon money. Like if I could, I'd pay $50 a month for a demo account. Every single card all the time like i would do it in a heartbeat like because that is unreal that is super super sweet but i don't want a battle pass situation where it's almost like pay to win you know i mean card games are pretty much pay to win because you know you have to buy the cards in order to play them but i think when people hear like battle pass pay to win system right like if i put 20 hours you know i understand that somebody putting 20 hours without a battle pass and then somebody putting 20 hours with a battle pass is going to be different in terms of the things that they get out of it but i don't want it to be like a huge disparity right to where like oh if i don't have the battle pass i have to do five times as more grinding you know like i'm okay with double or like triple but like I don't want to feel like I lose if I don't have a battle pass. So I I think the point you're getting at is you don't want the premium version of the battle pass to be overly rewarding. um, Yeah. Relative to the others. Yeah. Like, again, thinking back to the players that are a majority of the player base, the casual players, right? Casual players are probably not going to get a battle pass, a premium battle pass 
or the whatever you have to buy right so you have to make it you have to make it worth their while to keep playing right and if if these casual players, these average players think, okay, I'm losing. If I don't buy the battle pass, like that, that sucks. I think um, when it comes to the battle pass, like they actually have a lot of different ways to, to make that better um, in comparing it uh, to the other games. Like again, not a card game, but Valorant, you know, they do have a battle pass where you can get skins. And I, I never knew how cool skins were in a non-TCG game until I, I started doing it. But it definitely adds a level. I've spent a lot of money on in-game cosmetics that, you know, my fiance would be like, why? Why did you do that? And I'm like, but it, it's Zed. It plays Zed's music. Zed made this. Um, but they, they have a premium battle pass that's $10, which I think is not that high of a cost for anyone. And it's actually good to get guns. And they have a free battle pass it gives you the things that you would get on the premium battle pass, but you just don't get the skins for the weapons, right? Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's that's pretty decent. On Magic the Gathering uh, Arena, the battle pass system there, they have daily quests that aren't in the, in the battle pass, which are really easy to go. Like, um, play 20 black cards, play 20 blue cards, you know, deal like 40 damage, you know? like, And those are things that, as you see, you can go on through throughout the day. Um, but I definitely read articles like you said about arena's economy where it's like the battle pass wasn't worth it. So I've never bought an arena battle pass, but they have trees where you can unlock specific rares from specific colors as you go through the battle pass. Hearthstone does it really easy with their daily quests. Like I, I know they don't have a, a battle pass there, but their daily quests again with dealing damage, playing cards, destroying cards. You know, you kind of see those when you start, you can kind of pick what deck you want to do. And I know that, Pokemon's had that in the past with, you know, certain rewards, but lightning attacks or or whatnot. And then you see how many wins you need to get on the ladder. That's the thing, though. The ladder never really told you how many wins equal towards <laughs> that lightning bolt. You know, like there was never yeah. specific. You're like, oh, I assume that if I get these many wins, I, I, I get And then that. win streaks on top of that, like change the amount of lightning bolts. Yeah. Like it's you know, how, how, how do you know? But um, the thing that they can do really well and with the with battle passes and stuff here is I think that say you want a computer search, right? Yeah. That could be the final reward on the premium battle pass. You know, like it's, it, it kind of makes it more more special. And also say on the premium battle pass, you get a, on your avatar, you get a pin for the last season of what rank you were that you can't get. Like when if you we think things on a consumer centric uh, portion here, especially like, you know, my day job at work, you know, in marketing, um, it's number one, I understand what you want. Like you don't want it to be overpowered, overpowered for the, the premium pass. But I think there has to be enough difference from the premium pass that make people feel like that it's worth it. But there also yeah. has to be enough in the in the regular pass to, to make people play. And I think getting like specific rewards or specific cards um, can really help that. Like, you know, uh, casual pass, like the regular battle pass, probably the best place to put full art supporters. Because you'll have people like, I want that waifu. Like, I want that that supporter there. I'm going to grind to get that. And then you have the competitive player on the premium pass. It's like, you know what? Like, I don't have any of those packs. I didn't have a computer search on my old, you know, on my old account. So, you know, I'm going to kind of grind that. And I'm also going to get, like, my reward so I can wear with a badge of courage. Like, I think those are some cool things that they can do that we don't have the capacity to do. Uh, in the games that we have right now, like with what PCGO has. My here's mm-hmm. my gut tells me, Jake, that because Pokemon is a very child and a kid-friendly economy, 
I think they'll make the the baseline battle pass something where if you complete it, you will earn enough crystals or whatever it is that you can actually buy the premium battle pass for the next season. And so long as you complete every battle pass, you will always have enough crystals for the next premium battle pass. Because that, as an me, adult, I would actually enjoy that. Because to me, that, that that does exactly what the game wants is to incentivize daily active users. Because like, hey, it's going to take a certain amount of time if they've calculated it out correctly. If you put in the time every day, you know, an hour a day, we will make it so that you will get a premium battle pass next year, next season, and you'll always have a premium battle pass. To me, that's how I think they should do it. Um, so if anyone from the Pokemon company is listening, that's how I think also, you should if operate. anybody from the Pokemon company is listening, <laughs> we talked about earlier where you hear like the voices in Hearthstone or whatever, like when you're oh, opening yeah. packs. Yeah, do that. Use Use the Pokemon Stadium guy, PA announcer for PTCG Live <laughs> opening packs. Wow! It has what no way to battle. Yeah, like use that guy. Use that guy. Hire him back. Use him or something. Like that would be so cool. <laughs> and also have an option to mute. <laughs> or, or, or even if premium battle pass. If the premium battle pass got you an entry, I mean, okay, a lot of people would say, you know, the diehards or the purists wouldn't, but say that you bought the premium battle pass, that gets you an entry into the player's cup. You know, like I feel like the purists wouldn't be down for that, but I think if someone's investing money into PTCGO, they want to battle on that and not grind to be in the two. All the people in the top 128, they get a two-round buy. They get the first two rounds as a buy, right? Mm. But anyone that bought a battle pass can enter the Players' Cup, and then they have to play all the rounds, right? Like, I feel like that would also be, like, a great incentive, you know? And then you could translate that into the real tournaments as we're talking about on how do we translate people from the online client into in real life play like small things like that because how many people you know play online and, and never have the courage to go in real life but if you you know hit a majority of players of battle pass yeah mm-hmm. i don't even know how we're talking to each other you know like <laughs> <laughs> well um i guess like you know mark uh we're gonna wrap up here now anything you want to shout out i mean i know you shouted out zach lesage uh, any other folks you want to shout out up in the the north there up in canada i think everyone in, in canada knows <laughs> each other and supportive of each other so you know the the great white north i mean uh-huh. we have some names redacted in our world championship books but you know we all really try to to work together and it's a really good community here in canada i would say that we probably have one of the toughest league cup circuit um Definitely, we have great local stores. I want to shout out on uh, Untouchables, um, Dolly's Toys and Games West, and Atlas Collectibles. Atlas, they do a lot of work. They do a lot of sponsorship for online tournaments. Um, they have shipping to Malaysia for all the, the people in the world that, that go in. So big shout out to uh, Brandon and, and Nick over there. And uh, I haven't been doing any content in a while because I'm, I really miss the, like, being able to see Jake's face while he's shuffling, not being able to draw a Malamar, right? Like that's my favorite thing about playing Pokemon is 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 you know being able to sit in front of someone and and kind of see them and and see them boss the wrong creature in person because you don't see the reaction online. You just you just mm-hmm. laugh out loud. You can't um, say you so, can't say misclick in person. <laughs> no, it no. just feels way different. You know, I mean, I love I love going to locals. You know, even though it's not super competitive, you know, like there's only one MuV Max at my locals of like 30 people, but it's way it's way more fun than playing online. I, 
I lost the conquest. Me and Azul actually played a conquest when I was streaming heavily. We played a conquest, and there were some meme decks in there. But I lost to him um, because I forgot to put four welders in my Mewtwo deck. And, like, that would never happen in real life, right? Like, that was that was great content, you know? You know, instead, of, we would have been tied, but we, we lost a conquest there. So. I think Sean and I played a conquest, and I think he absolutely, like, in he just, like, absolutely destroyed me. Like, yeah. you know, like absolutely. I, I, I had won two games. I had won two games. We were in a good. It was 2-2. But then we just couldn't come. We were never going to win without Mewtwo deck. So, um it, it is it is what it is and you know thank you guys for having me i mean if anyone wants to follow me on my socials you know mark m-a-r-k-d-i-z-o-n on twitter um that's kind of where i am if i start producing content again you know we'll put it back very very easy wherever where it is but even to you guys metapod i mean for you you guys are the quintessential podcast that, that we have now right you know with super you kind of taken over where super broadcast was and i think the biggest thing for for your your growth and what you guys provide is it's not just a competitive player. It's the casual player. And I think if Pokemon, if we cared more about, you know, having those casual players and stuff in, we'd have a much larger player base and we'd be a lot happier. And you know what? And as a spike, we'd have a lot more round one buys at regionals. You know, if we had a, if we had a few more casual players, you know, yep. it might be, it might make, you know, regionals a little easier than, uh, than some of the people you might play around one right now. But thank you guys so much for having me. And I hope that, you know, in the future, you can bring me on for anything other else comparing. But before the Metapod heads out this week, there's a little bit of something that we want to talk to everyone about in regards to the Pokemon trading card game and the competitive scene. So if you did not remember, that interview was done earlier in the week because Sean this week, uh, usually when we would record is out in the snowstorm that is New York and Uh, is traveling and stuff which is why we conducted the interview for this week's episode and there's some big news that actually dropped since the recording of that episode and when this podcast is airing and there's some information that we actually want to give to you now you know we can't really hold off on it so I want to give you the basics of some big stuff that was announced that being Team Challenge Season 3. So as we've mentioned on the podcast, we've been curious as to why the Pokemon company has not announced Players Cup. Team Challenge has continued on with those. And you know what? Truth be told, they just announced this about 24 hours ago as I'm recording this. So I'm going to give you the basis of this real quick. I'm going to give you kind of the details that you need to know right now. And then Sean and I next week can give our big thoughts, you know, go into a little bit more detail of the things that we like, we dislike, things like that, what we're excited for, what, you know, the plays that you can make and things like that. But Team Challenge, as it has been, you know, similar to you compete for a store, a team of four, you represent that store and you compete across the world to be able to, you know, do X, Y, and Z and win the tournaments. The thing that I want to talk about now, though, is you can register for the tournament starting January 7th, 2022. So at the time of this recording, that is right now. And then also when the episode releases, you know, that's going to be open for like four days ish. You may have seen us retweet 
um, some of the information on the Metapod podcast Twitter. If you want to go check that out at Metapod TCG. But in terms of structuring the tournament, the Team Challenge Season 3 kicks off January 15th. So if you're looking at a calendar right now, today, the episode releasing day is January 11th. And the next podcast is going to be January 18th. So I want to, Sean and I want to talk about this right now, or we wanted to tell you about this right now because you know your store your store that you want to compete in may have a qualifier that actually happens you know january 15th 16th 17th whatever you know one of those days so we want to give you this information now so then you can go check your local stores that you want to compete in and i say stores because there are several different challenges or several different changes i should say that can help ease the challenge and i'll get into that a little bit more but the uh qualifier round you know the four tournaments that the store holds to select the four members that will compete as part of the team challenge with that store that's going to conclude on may 8th so there's a big window so it's likely that your stores are not holding a tournament you know the 15th 16th 17th 18th but just in case, you know, because some stores maybe want to get those out of the way as fast as possible um, before Brilliant Stars. Maybe want to get one of those out of the way before Brilliant Stars in the Fusion Strike format. So want to let you know of this now. Again, it's going to kick off this weekend, January 15, 2022, and go until May 8, 2022. And you got to win, right, one of the four qualifiers that stores will hold. And there's a little bit of interesting changes across from this so obviously you know if you're in north america canada all of these countries listed here you know check to make sure uh check to make sure that your country is participating in this and then in brazil especially players must be 18 or older and there's a couple other things um There are in-store matches that will take place in certain regions that are open for play Pokemon events. So that doesn't include America, but because this is going until May 8th, 2022, I do believe that at least the United States has like regionals, like the regional schedule has opened up during that time. So again, there's a possibility that some of these qualifiers will be done in store so physical person to person irl play so that's another one of the big changes that i want to bring up so definitely making sure going to your store and asking hey is this going to be hosted on ptcgo like in the past or is this qualifier going to be in person as well as some other things right now one of the big things that will post so shout out to will post or tweeting this players can compete in up to three leagues and are not locked out until they win one of the qualifiers so the the understanding that i have of this and the reasoning that i have behind this is that the team challenge qualifiers some of the qualifiers are going to be in person some of the qualifiers are going to be online so i think because you know based on your area based on your region You know, let's say um, Indianapolis has a lockdown. Y'all know I lived in Indianapolis for a long time. So let's say they have a lockdown that is going on. So 
you know, I wouldn't be able to do any in-store person events over there. And but let's say my hometown of, you know, Purdue University, basically, I live in that area. Let's say Purdue University is having in-person stuff. So just based on what is around me, I have the flexibility to be able to do either or. And you know what? I really like this. You know, you get more tournaments, you get more opportunities to compete in the team challenge. And especially based on the schedule, you know, the people are not scheduling these qualifiers. The tournament organizers are not scheduling the qualifiers, you know, to fit all of our schedules. So if I want to compete in the team challenge in my number one store, so I'll say Comic Book University, they've been the store that basically I've played Pokemon with the entire tenure that I've been playing Pokemon. Let's say, you know, two of the four qualifiers I can't go to, you know, I just can't fit in my schedule just because of work, family things, you know, other obligations that you may have. So I can go to a different store, tier one games, you know, that I've been going to um, because of, you know, I moved and all that stuff. And so that store, you know, maybe they have stuff that does fit my schedule and I can do two of their four. So I can still get four opportunities to be able to qualify. And I mean, as usual, if you win one of the qualifiers, you know, you don't compete in any more qualifiers. So I think that works out really, really well. I really, really like that. A couple other things as well. RK9 Labs handles the tournaments. So no Tom issues. If you're an organizer, you're doing a hip hip hooray but for the average like player you know that doesn't really change too many things i will say but it's going to fix as will is saying in this tweet it's going to fix a lot of issues that was seen in in the team challenge one and team challenge two you can already go ahead and go to the tournamentcenter.gg website to do like sign up and stuff and look to see if your store is jumping in and they've got some information on their site about that in terms of tournament structures but again just wanted to put this on your radar in terms of the uh seeing if your store is participating seeing if your store is running a tournament this weekend and then sean and i will talk more about our thoughts and things like that about this next week on the podcast and Maybe seeing if uh, our stores are competing. Who knows? Maybe I've already competed in a team challenge qualifier by the time next week's podcast comes up. Also, I just want to add Starbirth did get released and we're not going to talk about that today because, you know, there's actually some really, really good cards. And I want to make sure Sean is on the podcast with me, not only when we can talk about it, but honestly, we could go a solid two hours (laughs) talking about the set if you haven't seen it on twitter there's a ton of exciting cards it's going to be looking like a very very good set so next week more than likely is going to be our star birth set review so thank you so much for listening to the metapod the pokemon tcg podcast that revolves around the evolving meta hope to see you again next week and again if you're listening on apple or spotify 
whatever podcasting platform you're listening to make sure to go leave us a rating if you can and a review as well especially if you're on apple Podcasts. we'd love to see your thoughts about different things you know suggestions of the podcast and then also if you're on youtube make sure to go ahead if you enjoy this content you made it this far in the video might as well as, as subscribe leave a like and then leave your thoughts in the comments as well we're going to start reading more reviews in terms of the youtube comments to give you a little bit of publicity that way but thank you so much again keep playing pokemon whether that's online or in person I'm very excited about the team challenge again coming back and hope to see you again soon